time to dig back in. We are making progress, Acts chapter 20, here in the third missionary journey. We'll ask the Lord for his blessing. Father God, here in just three verses, you revealed to us once again the heartbeat of the gospel, what it is we're all supposed to be doing, the task to which you've called every single believer. It's the reason we're here. So help us, Lord. It just... uh, an amazing concept, Lord, to be about your work and to have you use us, God. That's what we want. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, we're here in Acts chapter 20, the middle of the third missionary journey. There have been two previous ones. It's been going on for about 12, 13 years. Uh, The Great Commission, when Jesus told his disciples there in Jerusalem, this needs to go worldwide. We need to go global because God so loved the world. And so the gospel that started and was birthed there in Jerusalem was taken by several Christians, the Apostle Paul leading several teams uh, throughout the Mediterranean world in obedience to God's word because he loves people and it's the only way to be saved. And so uh, he has us uh, out in the world for that very purpose. And they're doing a good job of it here in um, southwest Turkey in a city uh, called Ephesus, God has blessed their efforts there. Uh, They stayed three years there. It's time to leave in this passage here. Uh, But three years of extraordinary miracles, the entire province of two million people were thoroughly evangelized. And so a real revival. So as we kind of pick up now, I'll remind you of the context. Uh, uh, There were bonfires downtown and people were burning their magic scrolls, turning to the Lord, repenting of their sins and tossing into the fire every vestige, every vile thing from their former way of life. That's called repentance. And so Uh, Everybody was happy who was receiving uh, the gospel, but not everybody did. It was a bad time in Ephesus to be making idols. And so the idol worship industry had taken a hit. And uh, one of the uh, main businesses in town owned by Demetrius, uh, he was feeling the pinch. And so he stirred up an angry mob and they were ready to kill Paul and anybody associated with the way. That's what early Christianity was called, the way, because we're always talking about the way to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So they called us the way. And uh, uh, we were hated uh, there, and we still are in the world that would prefer darkness rather than light. You know, Jesus told us these things. So... Uh, the angry mob was all about uh, hunting down those who were fanning into flame uh, a movement that was slowly but surely putting them out of business. And uh, people weren't interested in buying little trinkets of Artemis, the goddess of Ephesus anymore. They turned to the true and living God. And so that affected the economy and they stirred up the crowd and somebody could have gotten killed except God intervened. And God intervened with the level-headed advice through of the mayor of Ephesus and the Lord calmed them all down and the riotous crowd was dismissed without incident. Verse 1. 
When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said goodbye and set out for Macedonia, northern Greece in modern terms. Philippi and Thessalonica are located there. He traveled through that area. I'll show you a map in a second. Speaking again, many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece, which would be Corinth there, uh, where he stayed three months. Now, that's our text today. Uh, And uh, there's just a beautiful revelation of uh, what the Christian life is all about. If you want to be effective and productive for God, pay attention because it's laid out here. Sometimes we skip over some verses and we don't see it, but there it is mentioned twice, the ministry of encouragement. That might be a good um, heading if you're taking notes, the ministry of encouragement or a title in the message, Words of Encouragement. So after three years, as I said, uh, the longest stay of any New Testament church, uh, Paul senses in his heart that it's time to move on, that the work there's complete. Um, God used the citywide riot to kind of probably confirm what no doubt was already working in his heart, that it was time to move along. And God's good at letting us know when it's time to stay put and when it's time to pull up the anchor. Uh, He has a plan for our lives. And as we seek him, he makes his will known. And uh, the will he made known to them was to set sail for a new adventure. You know, so they're going to decide there uh, to move along and go visit back to Europe where they had planted churches in previous years and visit them and see how they're doing. And so the farewell party and where they've been for three years evangelizing the entire province of Asia is all of this area, two million people. So they sense, okay, where next? And the Holy Spirit led them to go back to Europe to where the first convert, uh, European convert, Lydia, was made there and visit the founding members and the church that no doubt has grown massive ways. And they go down to uh, Thessalonica, uh, where God did a tremendous work where they all turned from idols and to serve the true and living God. I'm quoting 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And they're waiting for Jesus, the Son of God, who rescues us from the coming wrath. That is the theme of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And then they went down to, and of course they saw the Bereans who were really into studying the Bible. Show us, Paul, where it says that in the scriptures. And he did. And so I, here they come back through the doors. My, my Bible-loving Berean brothers, here we are. Open the scrolls. Let's do this. And they're all hugging and having beautiful times and words of encouragement. The trip winds up down in Corinth, uh, Paul's uh, (laughs) uh, problem child, as uh, I like to call those crazy Pentecostals in Corinth. All they want to do is pray in tongues. And meanwhile, while they're praying in tongues and they have all the spiritual gifts, the problem is that they are suing each other in court. They're dividing over which pastor they like best. Uh, They're being sexually immoral. But you know... (sighs) That's the scary thing about being having any spiritual gift. You can operate in the book, in the gifting, in the gifting without character or your heart being involved. You see, and so he will admonish them and say, "What makes you or breaks you is your inner discipline." 
everybody can function in their gifts and their callings, but it, it's what we can't see. The inner disciplines, the moral fortitude, the character, that's what makes or breaks you. And so um, that's as far as the, the three verses get us to the whole coast of Greece. And so we'll just dive in with the verses now. And so right there, back to the text, uh, I had full intention on covering uh, at least two or three more paragraphs, but I kind of got blindsided uh, with a concept that appears twice in the text. And it just really, the Holy Spirit just kind of caused me to pause and want to spend some time. Things that we know, they're no-brainer things for Christians, but a funny thing, we may know something in our head but uh, it's harder to live out and be consistent at it. And when it's this important, I mean, your, 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 your total effectiveness as a Christian depends on whether or not you catch these concepts. And when we're evaluated at the judgment seat of Christ, which all Christians will stand before, for reward, not condemnation, but for reward, the question will be, were you good at encouraging my people? How'd you do? encouraging my people because that's the work you see when Paul was saying farewell what was he doing he was encouraging God's people and then what did he do down the entire coast on the mission field if if the Holy Spirit was asked could you sum it up what was the what's the work on the mission field what was he doing in Philippi Thessalonica Berea and Corinth what was he doing with many words of encouragement he spoke to God's people. That, my friend, is the task that God thinks that he's given all of us, that every Christian is called to be an encourager of the people of God, and how well you've done that will be how well you're rewarded. So in my heart, it's like, do Christians realize that this is the work, that that we get sidelined and sidetracked and distracted by so many other things and oftentimes our focus is on us and what we need and we come to church all self-absorbed as if the worship was meant you know to critique how was it for me you know and how did the sermon uh, relate to me right instead of coming with the attitude I'm coming on a mission to do what God's called me to do, to encourage people God puts in my path, right? And so that's why we're going to park here. If you don't mind, drill a little deeper on what it means to be an encourager of God's people. And you can be asking yourself, do I do this every day? How good am I at this? Or do I expect the world to be revolving around me and encouraging me? Those are the kinds of questions. So, yeah, I I told Barb yesterday, she said, how's the sermon going? And I said, well, we're not going to get very far. Uh, We're going to get to three verses. And she said, that's okay. Isn't the point not to get through the passage, but to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and hear what the Spirit is saying to his church? And I said, amen, sister, preach it. You know, I'm married up. What can I say? I just, uh, so, uh, yeah. So sometimes we miss it, though it's right here. It does say that it twice, that encouraging, 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 that's what he does. What's your, what's your life's work, Paul? Encouraging God's people. 
That's his task and ours. Okay, so yeah, we want to do well when, when we see the Lord, so we're paying attention. And this is good news that we have revealed to us here and in other places. So if you're thinking, well, Pastor Ross, maybe you're putting a little bit too much on this. Well, let me show you the command more, more direct in the scriptures to us about encouraging. Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how to spur one another onto love and good deeds. That's exactly a mindset that says, how am I going to help uh, inspire you, who God put in my path today, to good deeds and to love? Uh, let us not neglect meeting together. Some have made a habit of, but let us encourage one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching, even unbelievers think something's going on. Even unbelievers might say, uh, it seems like the apocalypse is coming. That's what they say. How much more do we see the day coming? So what should we be doing? Therefore, encourage one another. So ask yourself, have I been doing that? Do I encourage people? Because God thinks that's why I'm here. That's why he put me in my life and those around me to encourage them in the Lord. And so... Yeah, there's some others here. Uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse 2. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Not tear them down. Not always criticize them. uh, But build them up. That's your mission in life. That's how you wake up in the morning. Who am I going to build up today? You start with the ones nearest and dearest, right? But oftentimes those are the ones that we neglect the most, you see. Uh, How about Ephesians 4.29? He says, pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth because your words count. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, Christians, but only words that are helpful for building others up. There it is again, encouraging. That's exactly what it means, edifying them according to their needs, according to whatever situation they're in. Uh, They may be in some kind of situation of weakness. Move them into strength by your words, that that your words may benefit those who are listening to you. And so, I mean, I can go on one more. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Christ died for us, brothers, so that we can live with him forever. Therefore, here it is again, encourage one another and build each other up. It's everywhere in the New Testament, especially just as in fact you are doing. So I like to see that as well too, because this place is filled with encouraging people. The problem is, is that we forget and it's so easy, our sinful, vulnerable hearts go back to the default. And the default is a setting of self looking at our own needs and being self-absorbed, and that just brings ineffectiveness and pure misery. (laughs) Nobody is more useless to God than a self-absorbed person, and nobody is, is as miserable as a person who's focused on their own life. Why? Because God designed life opposite. For God himself put on human flesh and blood and said, I'm God, but I did not come to be served. I came to serve and give myself away to serve others. So if the Son of God is saying, even though I'm God, I make it my perspective not to be focused on me, 
but I'm focused on how I might serve others. Should it, those who follow him do the same? And so this is what we're talking about to, to remind all of us here. We're called to encourage God's people to have an outward focus on God first and his people, how I might serve them. And this is why Paul, quoting the scriptures in front of you, went around speaking many words of encouragement to God's uh, people. Uh, What's the good news here is, is that the thing that God requires of every Christian is something that every Christian can do with ease. You don't need to have been to seminary, though knowing the Bible will help you because the greatest tool, of course, to encourage somebody is the living, breathing word of God. I mean, you throw that at somebody and really uh, it's powerful and effective. Now, believers often will say to me, what can I do? to serve the Lord. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I want to make a difference, but where to start? Easy. God has given you something you don't even realize that you have a ministry. It's the ministry of encouraging his people. And how better to express your love to the Father than to love his children, who at the moment he can't physically get to. So he has sent you. In fact, the word to encourage means to be called by God, to somebody's side. So for example, if my kids go off to college and they're in big need, and let's say I'm in another country, and and there's some sort of need in their lives, and then I I call somebody, a friend who lives in that city, and the friend says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to meet this need for you. What peace in my heart, what joy in my heart, but what love and gratefulness I have toward that person who's going to bless my kid and watch out for them and encourage them, you see. This is what God is asking of you and me. He says, comfort my people, saith the Lord in King James. Comfort my people. Speak tenderly to my people. Tell my people their suffering is coming to an end. Remind my people that their sins have been paid for. Isaiah chapter 40. God's crying out to us and he calls us to come to the side of the people that he placed in our lives. And every single one of us are hurting and every single one of us uh, hurting in some way. We go through periods where we're maybe perhaps more weak than other times, but we're in a battle. Fight the good fight of faith. That means we're all in a battle. We're battling the world. We're battling to exist. We're we're battling spiritual realms of darkness, spiritual warfare. We're battling our own wicked hearts. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful, Above all things, always trying to sabotage the work of God in us. So we're all hurting. We're all weak. We all need encouragement. That's why God gave us all the ministry and the obligation to be our brother's keeper and to have the radar out. Who needs encouragement? God, lead me to them today because I am set and ready to do your work. Let's... Look at the word closer in the Greek. To encourage or to be an encourager comes from the same word in Greek, parakaleo. It's from two Greek words, meaning to be called or summoned to one side, basically to help them. So this is amazing that God would call you in me, a calling to say, I put you in your life 
because whether you know it or not, they may look like they have everything together, but they're hurting and they need to be built up in the Lord. This is what he's asking of us. Now, most of you Christians know that this is the very name of God himself, that the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Godhead, God himself, the Holy Spirit is called the Parakletos, the Comforter. Well, he, the different translations, rightly so, show the different nuances of the encouragement that God is himself. Let me show you John uh, 14, verse 26. Different translations, but the helper, that word there is parakletos. But the helper, ESV, uh, the comforter, King James, the advocate, which most of the translations take the advocate, the NIV, or AKA the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. He's called the helper. Whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so we know that God's overarching theme over every one of our lives is to make us more like Christ. So if we're going to be more like Christ, we're going to have to be more of a helper, more of an encourager, more of a counselor, another term for it, more of an advocate standing up for that person who may be wounded or hurting or struggling, whatever situation they're in, to move them a little bit closer to God to affirm, if they're on track and doing great, to affirm that and help them to continue to walk in the light and serve uh, the Lord. And so, yeah, what does it look like? Well, of course, it's um, advocating means to stand up for somebody, to want them to succeed, and to, to, to invest in their lives to make that happen to get involved, to invite them into your life and uh, to, to come alongside when they're in need. Um, someone may have been wounded or um, they have, uh, they're downhearted or they're just plain struggling. Relational difficulties, financial strains. Man, you just don't know. I was telling the last service, I said, everybody who smiles and says, praise the Lord. We just think they're on top of the world. They have no struggles. Look at them. They've walked with God for 25 years. Wrong. Inwardly, most live lives with thorns in their flesh and deep burdens and woundings. And they carry heavy crosses. Most Christians. And so... When you're wondering, who do I need to encourage? Answer, the person sitting next to you. Start there. Start there because every one of us needs encouragement. And that's what God wants us to do. We're called, man. Uh, and so, yeah, the, <laughs> most people who need encouragement are disguised as happy-go-lucky Christians who got it all together. You know, I remember when the kids were little, uh, we were going to church, and some mornings were just absolute chaos, you know. And so, you know, we're running late. I'm on staff. 
We're piling to the van. Everybody's fighting. You know, the kids are mad at each other, and there's name calling, and uh, you know, shoes are flying at each other, and uh, you know, and then I I lose my temper, and then uh, Barb and I are having words, and then so we're having words. The kids are screaming. Things are flying. We get into the church parking lot. We open the door. We stand up, and somebody says, "How's it going?" I'm like, "Praising him." <laughs> praising him? <laughs> I am praising him, but things could be better, you know? And so, oh, that's how it is. That's how it is in all of our lives. We like to pretend and let people think more highly of us than they ought to, because none of us have it together, and all of us live lives where there's some sorrow, disappointment, and frustration. We all need words of encouragement. And so in this room, there are people who need encouragement. Their marriages are hurting. They're struggling. They got kids, don't want to walk with the Lord, turn their back on the Lord. They've got issues. They need encouragement. Are you going to find them? Or are you just wrapped up in your own life? God says, big time reward if you find them. In fact, he says, we were created. We are God's workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works to encourage God's people. That's why we were created. Are you going to find the person today and tomorrow and the next day? Now, to have a life like that, and one of the reasons I'm, I'm digging down here is because how healthy you become when you're another centered person. The worst thing in the world and why most people struggle with depression and despair is because they've made life all about themselves. And when you're self-absorbed, as I mentioned earlier, it, it's not good for your mental health or your spiritual well-being. And, and quite frankly, we do it a lot. And so that's why I'm digging down right here. Now, we need to find them. And the tool, most helpful, of course, is the word of God. So, you know, somebody says to you, hey, brother, I just feel condemned. You know, it's a common thing. Christians fall short all the time, and we feel condemned. And, and yet a brother can say, hey, listen, Romans 8.1, bro, says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, so don't worry. Well, you know, I sin, and yeah, but have you confessed that sin? Yeah, I have. Okay, then if we quote 1 John 1, 9 says... If we confess our sins, brother, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't have anything to to worry about. Well, what if I just feel like sometimes God's going to give up on me? Oh, he said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jesus said in John chapter 6, he said, if anyone comes to me, I will never turn them away. Never. When Jesus says never, you know what the Greek word means? Never, huh? Mike, you're you're doing good. Yeah. So this is what we do, 
You know, somebody has got a lot of heartache, and there are a lot of people who do. And man, that Psalm 34, 18, memorize it, memorize it. It's nothing to memorize. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. Do you know how much use and mileage I've gotten out of that verse for the kingdom of God? Because everybody who brings a heartache to me, I just can say, the Lord is near to you in a way that's very unique during this time because he's going to come in and save you who are crushed in spirit. Oh, man, you know, just a heavy burden. He said, come to me, everyone who is heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Well, what a joy to be a worker of encouragement for God because you're wrapped up. You just forget about yourself. And when you forget about yourself and care about God's business, he takes care of your business. That's how he does it. That's how he does it. He who refreshes others, they themselves will be refreshed. It's life-changing. You can change somebody's life today. You know how it is. When you're hurting inside, nobody knows. You feel like you're hanging on by a thread, right? And somebody comes by and says, man, you always got a nice way of putting things. Or they, they just say, I just noticed, you know, something and then something affirming how it just feels like a cool breeze over your weary soul, like a hot summer day, a cold glass of water. And see, Jesus said, you will not Lose your reward for even a cup of cold water. That's exactly encouragement that refreshes a soul. The Lord's going, cha-ching, keeping track, keeping track. Well, when you get there, you want a lot of that. Paul says, live in such a way that, you know, you have no regrets when you get there. So the more reward will be for people who encouraged more and made life about serving God and taking care of his babies, if I can call you that. And that's what we are. Barb tells the story of having her life changed, completely altered by one sentence her youth pastor said. She grew up in an alcoholic home, a raging drunk stepfather, violent guns, horrible. Her mother, too. They forbid her to go to church by herself, she found a church, and as she got older as a teenager, she could slip out. She was part of a youth group. And she's barely hanging on for life. She, she, it's a living hell in her house. Tiny little house there in Idaho. She goes to the youth group, and one day, she got to know those youth pastors really well. And one of them says to her, hey, Barb, we were talking about you at dinner. And uh, my wife and I said, if anyone's going to make it, it's going to be Barb. Barb, you're the one. Out of all the students, we just, you're going to make it. Barb started to have this confidence and making decisions based on that word of encouragement. Her choices, well, if God says, I'm going to make it, then I need to. And then she, just, she decided she wanted to uh, be in the ministry and marry a pastor, a handsome one. And, and back in, everybody's handsome in their 20s, okay? So I can get away with that, all right? So, so yeah, changed life. Now, before we uh, bring uh, our time to a close, uh, let's not forget that um, encouragement has a harder edge to it as well. 
So a nuance in encouragement is the word admonishment or exhortation. And that is where you speak more in a corrective way, an encouragement that comes as a correction, which wise people see as a refreshing encouragement. For example, the psalmist in Psalm 141 says, let a wise person in love correct me. Let it be a slap across my face. I will receive it as a soothing ointment, a healing medicine. Refreshment. Why? Because you saved that person from some kind of hurtful behavior or something that was not going to be helpful at all. Even though it's harder to bring that kind of encouragement, it has to be done in love, in humility, and in the spirit uh, of Christ, because it's hard an enemy multiplies kisses, but faithful are the wounds of a friend, uh, Psalm 27 and verse uh, 6. And so in love, we encourage friends who are sinning to abstain, uh, friends who are out of fellowship to go back to church, friends who are following false teachers. You know, they post something online and you're like, whoa, do they know that that is a false teacher, uh, a progressive teacher of the gospel? And so you take them aside and in love and say, hey, I did some research that that guy's not cool. He's not, he, he doesn't, he do, he's not biblical, he's not sound, you see. So you bring a refreshment and encouragement um, in, in, an, in a harder kind of way. It's not easy, but it's worth it. I told you about the, the gal, so cute. She came to me, SSU student. And uh, during her semester, she was attending here and she said, uh, Pastor Ross, uh, I got something to tell you, a testimony. She said, God used me, I, and, and I've been praying for boldness and confidence, and, and, and he used me, and I want to tell you about it. And it's just all excited. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, don't, tell me the story. She goes, well, inner varsity girls, we're all Christians, and we went out to In-N-Out after one of the meetings. And, and one of the girls said, I'm going to move in with my boyfriend. And, the, and nobody said anything. And I'm like, oh, I should say something. I'm like, I should say something. And why isn't anybody saying something? And I felt like the Lord was saying, how about you? You could say something. You know, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't like to do this. And then she, she's going, oh, God, if she says it again, I'll say something. So she's waiting and waiting and waiting. She says it again. And she tells me, she goes, I just heard it. I'm moving in with my boyfriend, blah, 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 blah. And then she said, mm, that's not right. <laughs> and she said, uh, I just said, hey, God wants us to be married, not to give some dude what a, what a husband deserves. Some dude who just wants all the fun and no commitment. That's not what God wants for you. And she said, then all the girls kind of followed me. She said, I've never done anything like that in my life. And she said, she said I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I remember standing right there. And so I said, way to go, you know, way to go. Now we don't run around, you know, like the Holy Spirit police, you know, boom, 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 trying to find everybody's problems. That's not godly. That's a, a obnoxious right? We don't need that, but when it's in love, when it's right, when it's needful, you got to speak up. And you don't pat somebody on the back on the way when you know the bridge is out. Oh yeah, bro, you know, what if you're cool with going that way? That's good. No, no, you got to say something, right? 
And that's an encouragement, believe it or not. You know, I think a verse that sums this up I have uh, for you, 1 Thessalonians 5.13, it covers all the bases of encouragement. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, lazy. Oh, what they were saying, the Lord's coming, I don't need to work. That's what they were doing. And they were being disruptive. So warn them, encourage the disheartened, the downcast. Help the weak. There's another, it's the same thing. Be patient with everyone. So there you kind of get our job every day to be, listen to me, proactive, where you decide this is what I do because I'm going to see the Lord and I want to do his will and I want him to be pleased. And so this is uh, what encouragement is all about. So uh, let's come full circle then and close out with this conclusion that to encourage somebody, we stand with them on their side to help them grow in the faith, to advocate for them, to stand with them, to comfort them in their troubles, to encourage them in their walk with God, to exhort them to hate evil and love what's good. Now, in closing, you've got to have a mindset to be intentional about this or it will never happen. You will, you will, you will miss the whole point of your Christian life if you are self-absorbed and not having this one attitude. Let me illustrate it to you in a negative way through somebody, an incident that I have told you about because it really is telling and we've all been there. Uh, a Christian woman who was, I guess, having a bad Sunday. Let's call it that because normally she's uh, there. she and her husband were good friends of ours uh, and a mature Christian, very involved in the church. But, but here's what happened. Uh, different church, of course, 25 years ago. And I'm cutting through the lobby. I'm an associate pastor volunteering. And there she is standing, like a deer in the headlights. And I'm like, whoa, what's up with her? And quite frankly, she had an off-putting expression. So I pulled up alongside. I'm like, hey, it's the Lord's Day. What's going on? Hey. And she's not happy. So she said, you are the first person to greet me all morning long at this church. Uh, she's been going to that church for a long time. It's our church. So she says, um, I've counted, I've counted 17 people have walked straight by. No looking, no talking, nothing. And I wanted to say, I did not say, but I was thinking, I wanted to avoid you too because of the look on your face. You were sending out a vibe like, oh, stay back, everybody. Uh, but, you know, I didn't tell her that. But, yeah, here, that's it. That's the default. And, and how ugly do our sins look on somebody else? Because I've been all about myself. And, like, nobody talked to me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody mentioned me or whatever. We all do that. But how nasty that looked on her. Right? So it spoke to my heart. Whoa, don't ever be like that. Right? This is the thing. This is how you end up going through your Christian life. Let's say, let's hope that that was a bad moment and not a pattern. Because if it's a pattern, I trust you. 
there'll be a forfeit of reward on that day. Because how can God say, well done, good and faithful servant. All about you. All about you, mostly. How did you encourage people? Well, weren't they all around to encourage me and to greet me? Now, what if she had a different mindset? And this is what I want you to take away. The mindset, an intentional mindset, an attitude. Here it is, Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition about me, me, me. Vain conceit is me, myself, and I. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests. Oh, who's going to greet me? Who's going to notice me? But each of you, to the interest of others in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset that Jesus had, though he was in the form of God and equal to God in every way, he did not use that for his own advantage. Rather, he took on the form of a servant to continue quoting that passage. What would be, what would it have been like if she woke up in the morning and said, Lord, I'm going to church today. Give me 17 people to greet, to notice, to encourage, to compliment, to listen, to look for a way to pray. Give me 17 of them. I'm going to find them, Lord. I know they're there. Well, how about 10? How about seven? How about three? How about one that you come to church thinking there's somebody here needs to be built up in the Lord? What a way to leave service as it was. What did she leave with? A whole lot of nothing. She, she didn't get anything out of the word. She didn't get anything out of the worship and all those wonderful people. She left not singing praises to God. She left complaining, slamming the church. That's a slam. And it's also a secret way to flatter somebody. You are the only one who really cares, you know, because the rest of them, they're all walking by. What a cold church. But you, you're a cut above. Whatever. We're just wicked. We have wicked hearts, all of us. And I'm not getting down on her. I'm getting down on all of us to even say something like that. Why not be there seeing what a blessing you could be to somebody else? It's the way God designed us to live. And it's the way we'll be effective for him and most happy and blessed. Let's pray together. Father God, just it just stuff it's just simple simple basic two plus two equals four today. The need to be an encouragement to your people. We all know that. But Father God, we get what gets in our way, God, to be honest with you since you know everything, is our tendency to be self absorbed. And just looking to our own interest and figuring out what I need, what I want, instead of what you need and what you want. So help us to make the shift by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.